Mankind is created in the image of God. What all does that mean? That's what we'll be talking about in this episode of Truth 101. I want to welcome you. I'm Dr. Greg Ammons. Truth 101 is a systematic theology course, I guess you might say, uh, of looking at the doctrines of the Christian faith in an organized, systematic way. So I'm glad that you've joined us. And last podcast, we looked at man's being created in the image of God and what that means. And we settle on the fact that being created in the image of God means that man is in the image of his creator and that man is like God and represents God. We saw last podcast that whenever we uh, were created, uh, we were, of course, created with a sin nature and, and whenever... We sin, the image of God within us is distorted, but it's not lost. And then we saw whenever we are redeemed in Christ, it is progressively recovered, the image of God is in us. And then finally, at the return of Christ, there will be a complete restoration of God's image and we will be like Him and we will see Him. So in this podcast, I want us to think just a little further into what it means to be created in the image of God. And I want us to think about some specific aspects of our likeness to God. In what ways are humans God-like? Why did God say of all the creation that, that mankind or humanity, that we are made in God's image? So let's, let's talk about that, some specific aspects. And, and really there are five ways that I want us to, to talk about specifically of our likeness to God. And then I want to close with a general statement about how that image bearer of God deserves dignity. And we'll close with that. So let's start looking at specific aspects of our likeness to God, five of them. First of all, there is a moral aspect. We are creatures who are morally accountable before God for our actions. And this is based on the fact that God requires us to imitate His own moral purity. 1 Peter 1.16, You shall be holy, for I am holy. So corresponding to that accountability, we have an inner sense of right and wrong that sets us apart from animals who have little, if any, innate sense of morality or justice. They simply respond from fear of punishment or hope of reward. But whenever we act according to God's moral standards, our likeness to God is reflected, a behavior that is holy and righteous before Him. So by contrast, our unlikeness to God is reflected whenever we sin. So, first and foremost, we are like God as humans in a moral way because we have a sense and a, an accountability before God of what is right and what is wrong, and that differs from other aspects of God's creation, such as animals or trees or the sky. Second way, another specific aspect of our likeness to God, not just morally, but we are like God spiritually. We not only have physical bodies, we also have 
immaterial spirits that are a part of us. We are body and soul and spirit. And we can therefore act in ways that are significant in the immaterial spiritual realm of existence. That means we have a spiritual life that enables us to relate to God as persons. We can pray to Him. We can praise Him. Uh, we hear Him speaking His words to us through the Bible. No animal will ever spend an hour in intercessory prayer for the salvation of a relative or a friend. No animal will do that. But we are in the image of God, and we as humans can relate to God who is a spirit. According to John 4, 24, God is spirit, and those that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And so connected with this spiritual life is the fact that we have immortality. We will not cease to exist. We will live forever somewhere either in heaven or in hell. So uh, we're like God in that way. That's a part of what it means to be created in the image of God. We are moral beings and we are spiritual beings, both of which are like God. But I want us to go one step further. Number three in our likeness to God, we are also mental beings. Now, now think about this with me as we go along. Mental beings. We have, as humans, an ability to reason, think logically, learn, and that sets us apart from the animal world. And you may say, wait a minute, animals, they, they know, can reason and think logically, but, but hold on with me, let's go a little further. Animals sometimes exhibit remarkable behavior in solving mazes or working out problems in the physical world, but they do not engage in abstract reasoning. Uh, there's no such thing as the history of canine philosophy. It doesn't exist. Nor have any animals since creation developed at all in the understanding of ethical problems or the use of philosophical concepts. You're never going to see a group of chimpanzees ever sit around the table and argue about the doctrine of the Trinity or talk about Calvinism. They're not going to do that. In fact, even in developing physical and technical skills, we are far different from animals. Beavers still build the same kind of dams they built for thousands of generations. Birds still have the same kind of nests that they build. Bees still build the same kind of hives. But humans develop greater skill and complexity in technology and agriculture and science nearly every field of endeavor, our reasoning is a little more conceptual and innovative. Our use of complex, abstract language sets us apart from animals. For Let me give you an example. I could tell my son Camden when he was four years old to go to the closet and get my big red jacket and bring it to me. Even if he had never seen it before, at the age of four, he could easily perform that task. He, he knew the meaning of go and get and red and big and jacket and closet, and, and he, he knew all those things. No chimpanzee in, in all of history has been able to perform such a task, a task that has not been learned through repetition with reward, 
but it's simply described in words that refer to an item. And they, at four years old, he could put a connection to go what, see, what to do. Four-year-old human beings can do this routinely, and we think nothing of it. And then he gets to be eight years old and, and can write an, a letter to a friend describing a trip we took to the zoo or a trip to a foreign country. Uh, we can learn other languages. We can think, we think that's entirely normal. But no animal will ever be able to write a letter to its grandparents or give the past, present, and future tense of a French verb. No chimpanzee will read and understand a, det a detective story or understand the meaning of even one verse from the Bible. But human children do all of these things readily, and we don't even think anything of it. But yet they're showing themselves far superior mentally to the whole animal kingdom. And, and we wonder why people have sometimes thought we're merely another kind of animal. We're not. Humans are not just another kind of animal. I hear non-Christians and, and evolutionists and, and atheists say these, oh, humans, are, they're just another kind of animal. No, we're not. Chimpanzees cannot do what my son did at the age of four. Now, another mental difference between humans and animals as you think through it is that we have an awareness of the distant future, e even in an inward sense. In just a sense that we will live beyond the time of our physical death, a sense that many people desire to attempt to be right before God before they die. Ecclesiastes 3.11, God has put eternity into man's hearts. We, we realize there is a there's a life into eternity after this life. Animals don't realize that. No indication that they ever do. So our creation in the image of God is also seen in human creativity, if you think about it. In the arts, in music, in literature, scientific inventions, and technological advancements. We should not think of such creativity as restricted to world-famous musicians or artists, it's also reflected in a delightful way in the play acting of skits put on by children or in the skill of ref in cooking a meal or decorating a home or planting a garden or the inventiveness shown by every human being who fixes something that wasn't working correctly. Yes, the human creativity and mind is different than that of just a mere animal. But think a little further with me mentally. In the area of emotions, our likeness to God is seen in a large difference in degree and complexity than animals. Now, I realize animals, yes, they do show emotions. Anybody who's ever owned a dog, you know those emotions. My goodness, these expressions of joy and sadness and fear on their face or anger if another animal invades their turf or we, we see all those emotions. But in the complexity of emotions that we as humans experience, we're far different than that of creation. For example, let's say you go out and watch your son play baseball. After watching your son play baseball, you can have a whole gamut of emotions. You can simultaneously feel sad that his team lost 
happy that he played well, proud that he was a good sport, thankful to God that he gave you a son and you have the joy of watching him grow and joyful because we have the song of praise that may be echoing in our mind throughout, the, throughout, throughout a day. And we have all of those emotions, the depth of those emotions. It's very doubtful that an animal experiences anything that approaches the complexity of that type of emotional feeling. So being created in the image of God means that there are moral aspects and spiritual aspects and mental aspects that humans are different than the rest of creation. But let's talk about a fourth likeness, and that's relational aspects. Although animals no doubt have some sense of community with each other, they definitely do that. The depth of interpersonal Harmony that's experienced in, say, a human marriage or a human family, when it functions according to God's principles anyway, or a church when a community of believers is walking in fellowship with God and the, and the colony of fellowship that you experience there, that, that's much greater and deeper than, than animals would experience in just a sense of community. In our family relationships and in the church, we're also superior to angels, according to Scripture. Angels don't marry or bear children or live in the company of God's redeemed sons and daughters. Angels don't do that. Only humans who were created in God's image. We are relational beings in ways that other creation, that they're not. In marriage, we reflect the nature of God and the, and the fact that as men and women we have equality and importance, but difference in roles from the time that God created us. Humanity is like God in, in relationships to the rest of creation. Specifically, man has been given the right to rule over creation. And when Christ returns, we will even be given authority to judge angels. According to 1 Corinthians 6, 3 and Genesis 1, 26 and Psalm 8, verses 6 through 8. So we are relational beings like no other creatures are that God has created. But let's talk about a fifth way that we might be like God and as, as image bearers of God. And stay with me on this one. You might, you might think this one is a little odd. But number five, are there physical aspects in which we are God-like? Is there any sense in which our human bodies are also a part of what it means to be made in the image of God? Certainly, we should not think of our physical bodies implying that God himself has a body. He, he, he doesn't. He took on body in the form of Jesus. But God is spirit, according to John 4, 24, as I mentioned. And, and it is a sin to think of him or to portray him in any other way that imply he has a material or physical body. Exodus 20, verse 4 tells us that. Romans 1, 23 tells us that. But even though our physical bodies should in no way be taken to imply God has a physical body, are there still some ways in which our bodies reflect something of God's own character and thereby part of what it means to be created in God's image? There, there may be. Let me give you some examples. For example, our physical bodies give us the ability to see with our eyes. Well, that's a God-like quality. God sees. The Bible says God sees, and He sees far more than we will ever see. 
although he does not do it with physical eyes like we have, our ears give us the ability to hear. And this too is a godlike ability. The Bible tells us God hears, but he doesn't have physical ears. Our mouths give us the ability to speak, reflecting the fact that God is a God who speaks. But our senses of taste and touch and smell give us the ability to understand and enjoy God's creation, reflecting the fact that God himself understands and enjoys his creation, though in a far greater sense than we do. But you, you see where I'm going. We may be a part of our physical bodies and the functions that our, that our body parts serve are some of the same functions God does even though he has no physical body. Could that be a part of the image of God? It's important that we recognize that it is man in his entirety who is created in the image of God, not just our spirit or not just our mind. All of us are created in God's image. And certainly our physical bodies are a very important part of our existence, a very important part of our existence. And then they're transformed when Christ returns. Our physical bodies, therefore, have been created by God as suitable instruments to represent in a physical way our human nature, which has been made to be like God's nature. In fact, almost everything we do is done by means of a physical body. Our thinking, our moral judgments, our prayer, our praise, our demonstrations of love, our concern for each other, these are all done through a physical body. And God's given us these. So if we're careful to point out that we're not saying God has a physical body, then we may say that our physical bodies in various ways reflect something of God's character as well, wouldn't you say? Much of our physical movement, demonstration of God-given skill, and certainly the God-given physical ability to bear and raise children who are like us is a reflection of God's ability to create humans who are like Him. Now, our appreciation of the ways in which we are like God can be enhanced, I believe, by the realization that unlike the rest of creation, we as humans have an ability to grow, to become more like God throughout our lives. Our moral sense can be more highly developed through study of Scripture and prayer. Our moral behavior can reflect more and more of the holiness of God. 1 Peter 1, 16, 2 Corinthians 2, 7, 1, talk about that. Our spiritual life can be enriched and deepened. Our use of reason and language can become more accurate and more truthful and more honoring to God. So our sense of the future can become intensified as we grow in our hope of living with God forever. Our ability to rule over the creation can be extended by faithful use of the gifts God's given us. And our interpersonal harmony in our families in the church can reflect more and more the unity that exists among the persons in the Trinity. So we can grow in greater likeness to God and our physical bodies can even reflect 
some of the attributes God possesses. Wow, it's kind of interesting to think about. So, in summary, you know, it's, we are like God, created in His image, and so we're like Him morally and spiritually and mentally and relationally and physically. Five ways. Now, one last word I want to say about our great dignity as bearers of God's image. And I have a couple of thoughts, and I think these are very important to close with. It'd be good for us to, I think, to reflect on our likeness to God more often. It'd probably amaze us to realize that when the creator of the universe wanted to create something, quote, in his image, end quote, something more like himself than all the rest of creation, he made you. That's a powerful realization. And that realization will give us a profound sense of dignity of who you are and a significance as you think and reflect on the excellence of all the rest of God's creation. But you're the best. Think of the starry universe the abundant earth, the world of plants and animals of the angelic kingdom, they're all remarkable, even magnificent. But you and, and, and me, we are more like our creator than any of those others. We're the culmination of God's infinitely wise and skillful work as a creator. And even though sin, yes, it has marred that likeness, we nonetheless now reflect much of it and shall even more as we grow in Christ's likeness and one day we will reflect it fully. That's powerful. A couple of thoughts. Number one, being created in the image of God, I, I think we must remember that even though the manifestations of that image of God have been distorted, even though they've been diminished because of sin, fallen and sinful man has the status, the status of being in God's image. Genesis 9, 6 affirms that people generally, not just believers, but, but, all, but all people are, are in God's own image. Not just believers, that's important. Even lost people are in God's image because they're humans. James 3.9 says people in general are made in the likeness of God. Not, not just believers, everyone that are humans are made in the image of God. So that implies... Every single human being, no matter how much the image of God has been marred by sin, no matter how much that image has been marred by illness or weakness or age or any other disability, every human still has the status of being in God's image and therefore must be treated with dignity and respect that is, do God's image bearers. Folks, all humans, regardless age, illness, weakness, disabilities, 
should be honored and dignified as bearers of God's image. Here's a second thought. In addition, it's important, I think, for us to emphasize that people from every race, every ethnic background, they're all in the image of God and worthy of our respect and our care. Well, I think this fact has profound implications for our conduct toward other people. It means that people of every race, every ethnicity deserve equal dignity and equal rights. It means that elderly people, those seriously ill, the mentally disabled, even children unborn in the womb deserve full protection and full honor as human beings because they're created in the image of God. And if we ever deny our unique status in creation as God's only image bearers, we will soon begin to, to depreciate the value of human life, which sometimes our culture is doing, and we will tend to see humans as merely a higher form of an animal, and we'll begin to treat each other just like that. And we will lose much of our sense of meaning in life, of what it means to be created in the image of God. Well, it's been a joy to discuss God's image with you. I hope that you've enjoyed it, and we will see you next week as we continue further talking about the doctrine of humanity. God bless you.